1: And here we go, NBA DFS Strategy Show, Monday, August 24th. Another four-gamer. I'm really enjoying this first round of the NBA playoffs just because basketball is on every single day, basically from start to finish. The rotations aren't all that weird to dive into. More often than not, we don't get late-breaking news. Uh, Shout-out, Chris Epps Porzingis, yesterday. But otherwise, it's just an enjoyable experience. Tomorrow gets a little bit less enjoyable, only a two-gamer. But today... Probably our final four-gamer. Adam, what's going on, man?
2: Yeah, excited for the last four-gamer. It sucks that it's going away. Like, I kind of just got used to it. And, like, in, in my mind, it was just how it was always going to be. And then, you know, kind of dawned on me that it was ending.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's really a bummer. I, I like prepping yeah. these slates. They're easy to handle. It's not, oh, there's seven games tipping off at 7 to 7.30, and you have to rush and scramble to get on. Like, it's a smooth, casual process. But what are you going to do? I'll take what I can get. I assume the Bucks stomp out the Magic today. Um, I assume the Heat finish off the Pacers. And then that's the end of four gamers for quite a bit. Oh, actually, I don't know why I'm thinking. The Bucks aren't up 3-0. <laughs> stupid, magic beat him, stupid Magic beat them in game one. You just assume, you know, yeah. 13 and a half point line. Anyway. So if
2: Indiana wins, we would have one more four-game slate, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, like, no matter what, we're going to get one of them. But that's right. not true at all. Indiana will probably win and I'm okay with that I think. I
2: don't know they had a good they made a good point on the game the other day how like when you're down 3 nothing in a series typically it's harder to get up for the game anyway especially when if you lose you get to go home. Like literally yeah, but, get to go home.
1: Yeah, after not being home for yeah. a month easy. <laughs> it is kind of great. Yeah, that's fun. Fun stuff. Guys, hit that like button as you come in. We're going to get a slow trickle today. Feels like a rough Monday. I don't know why. It's not like everybody's has like big events to go to any well, we're a half hour
2: earlier than normal too.
1: Also true. 9:30 a.m. didn't really think about that. That's probably tripping some people up. Uh line of study not updated so we can't really dig in. So, let's just touch a little bit on yesterday. What do you think of your boy Luca? It's amazing. <laughs> so much fun. He's so much fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I I I had been watching the game and then I stopped and went and started doing something else and saw everyone losing their minds on Twitter about him and Kawhi going back and forth. So I went back and and watched the, uh, I I got downstairs in time to see the buzzer beater in overtime.
1: It's just so sick. Uh, I was listening to Simmons talk this morning. They were talking about how awesome it would have been if there was a crowd there and like Dallas went nuts in game four. I'll say this much. Like it doesn't appear that the emotion is any different for the players. He reacted as if that was an arena filled with 30,000 people. Like, you went yeah, nuts. Yeah,
2: I mean, especially at that point in the game. Like, I I would think if it's affecting them, it's at the beginning of the game or, you know, kind of just during the middle of the game where you're just kind of trying to get to the end. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, at the end, I can't imagine that it matters at
1: all. Yeah, it seems as though, like, there is no noticeable difference for not having fans there. They're getting up for it. Regardless. Because he reacted like you're feeling the emotion of the crowd. And that's just I'd like to hear the rot like I'd like to cut the crowd noise from that play from the broadcast out and just hear what amounts to silence and grown men yelling. That's probably pretty fun. All right. Next question for yesterday's game. This one's gonna be a bit of a doozy. What what's up with Paul George? (laughs) (laughs) He's not Good. I mean, he obviously is, but it's not going well. Three for 14 from the field yesterday in 45 minutes. Do we find out after the playoffs that he's like torn his labrum or something? He tore something. He's tearing out my heart on a (laughs) day-to-day basis. I don't know. Like, I know you and I are probably going to be in the same stance here that we're largely projecting him like he's normal. I mean, we might, you know, bring a usage rate down a point, bring a rebounding rate down a point just because of, you know, reasons. But it's not like we're going to turn him into the sixth best player on the Clippers or something.
2: Yeah. Projecting him has been the least fun part of the bubble or or of the playoffs for me, probably, because every time I do it and he just shows up as, you know, a great value because his price keeps dropping. (laughs) And there's like the the rates are still there. It's not like he's just said, hey, guys, I'm hurt. I can't shoot. I'm going to go stand in the corner. Like if he is playing through an injury, he doesn't give a shit as far as, you know, not taking shots. So um like the, the the projections are the same. The price is just plummeting and every day it's just like, oh yep, Paul George is gonna beat me again. If only shots were falling as quickly as his price, he'd be in right. great shape. I don't remember who it was on Twitter. I think it was one of the higher stakes guys tweeted like late last night, can't wait for DraftKings to price Paul George at
1: sixty eight hundred so I can lose money on him for a fourth time. Yeah. I mean that it's gonna be horrible. Because the, when his price goes down, there's not really like a level where I'm going to see ownership and be like, that seems problematic. <laughs> right. He's different. Like a lot of times you talk
2: about players where it's like, oh, they're in a shooting slump and but, but their price is dropping and everyone's aware of that. So they're rostering them. And This player isn't really that good. So, you know, the chances of them making the slate still aren't really that high. You know, Paul Paul George is not that guy. Like yeah. he's very capable of, you know, his price down to like seventy five hundred or whatever it's going to be next late of being someone that you absolutely have to have. Like it's a pretty high
1: chance that happens. It's going to be a miserable experience. Can't wait to dive into that one uh, tomorrow. I guess that'll be fun on a two gamer, no less. So I'm going to have hundred yeah. percent of him, almost guaranteed. Uh, Porzingis gets scratched yesterday. That was. Wildly beneficial to me at that moment. I had no Stapps, Porzingis and 30% Maxi, so I was like, "Okay, it's <laughs> going to work." I just didn't have enough Luca, but I Did don't you think see that the anybody up
2: that won the 100K or whatever
1: on DraftKings. I Trey Burke, uh, Mitchell maxi. Murray, Maxi. I saw you talking about it on Twitter ten minutes ago. So yes, no. um, I didn't have that lineup, unfortunately. No. <laughs> no not, not i didn't have any uh donovan mitchell but i did have murray as my second most exposed player so that helped quite a bit uh, anything else you want to touch on from yesterday's games uh the sixers was Loffy gonna be okay
2: <laughs> that that's a team that's gonna be interesting to see what they do going forward
1: i don't even know. it's all on the table right like they could bring back everybody next year, and that would not surprise me. It would shock me if Brett Brown came back at this point. That seems yeah. impossible, but I can see them bringing it fully back, depending on who the coach is. Uh, I don't think they should, but to just get swept is bad. Embiid it, looks so disinterested.
2: Did you see his press count the answer to the the one question about like kind of what's wrong with the team?
1: No. I, I don't totally know, the, imagine
2: the, the reporter, you know, said something like, "So, what's wrong with the team? Like, is it coaching? Is it just the way you guys are playing? You know, whatever." And Embiid goes, "That's a stupid question." <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I I appreciate the honesty there coming out of Joel Embiid. Um, it's I don't know what they're going to do. You you would think somebody's got to go. I don't really know how you trade Tobias Harris. You're certainly not trading Al Horford. Do
2: you build Embiid. around Embiid
1: or Simmons if it's you? Me personally, yep. I'm shipping Embiid out. Yeah, same I don't. I don't even think it's close. I agree. Um,
2: and it's, it's more from just the basketball standpoint. And I'll say this much. I think
1: Joel Embiid is better than Ben Simmons. Right, exactly.
2: That's what, that's what I was about to
1: say. Yeah, like it's not – if you're asking – like if both of those guys are at their peak, I think Joel Embiid is better on a basketball court than Ben Simmons. But I think However, Ben Simmons
2: helps you win games more.
1: Agreed. And uh, they're – well, it's – I want to say that there's less injury risk. Uh, ben Simmons has been kind of wonky as of late, but like I'm just not confident that like Embiid doesn't just have like giant problems because he's a giant human being. And that's yeah. I mean, I, 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 I
2: just think building through a center is really difficult to have like a really really good team. And then Simmons, obviously, lockdown defender. If he ever starts shooting, like he'll he'll be better. But even yeah. without that, I mean, he's like he's a, a key piece on a championship team. Whereas I'm not really sure Embiid is. He's
1: like. I mean, he's the Sixers version of Draymond Green from a couple of years ago. Like it's, it's a guy that can guard multiple positions that isn't a particularly good three point shooter. In this case, a guy that isn't a shooter in general, um, shouldn't be that hard to find four guys that two bombs away around him and just let him carve up at, like, you know, give him the lane. It, It, the blueprint is there, so to speak. Do you think, do you think they trade anybody?
2: I don't know because i don't follow the cap situation like i know they're screwed in that regard.
1: they don't they, yeah it, it's irrelevant for the sixers scenario um yeah they don't have it they're not close to having it and there's no real mechanism for them to have any like whatever they're sending out they're bringing back
2: right yeah i mean my assumption is that the coach goes before they get rid of one of their stars but
1: how can Embiid be better but ben would help you win more sorry but that means ben is better guys no not really no, I, I don't agree i don't agree I'm happy that you like. We were on the same page there too. Yeah, and I don't. I don't even know that. Like
2: in in this case, though, I don't know that I really agree with the phrasing that Embiid's better. Like Embiid is the more dominant one, like offensively, and like if you just watch a basketball game, Embiid's the one that, like, is more likely to take over that individual game. But Simmons is doing more to win the
1: game. Yeah, it's. When it, all, when it all gets concentrated, I think your ceiling is higher with Joel Embiid playing like the way you've seen him play as at, at its peak. Wait, Sometimes no, I think I, your, ceiling,
2: your ceiling's higher with Simmons, though.
1: The team's ceiling is higher. Right. I think Embiid's individual ceiling is higher oh, than Ben right Simmons' right ceiling. Like, it's just... the The rim protection in particular is, I think, the most important piece of all of that. But anyway, this isn't the daily sports show. We're not breaking down random stuff. We're breaking down... Today's four-game DFS slate, so I think that we should go ahead and dive into that bad boy. I don't know what our free content is for today yet, so we'll get into that. All I want to say is shout-out to SuperDraft. SuperDraft. Uh, I'll touch on them in a little bit, but I'll give you guys the best Super Draft plays for each team as we go game by game. Brown is out according to Shams. Did that just come out right now? Ooh? I assume they meant Brett Brown. I didn't see that oh i didn't I didn't see anything from shams about Brett Brown, but I mean that's not like a I don't think that's really breaking news. <laughs> He's out according to everyone that's seen the nBA <laughs> all right, let's dive in. We're kicking it off with the least important game of the day, however, it is a game that. Usually gives me a lot of ownership that makes me want to jump off of a building. The Bucks are twelve and a half point favorites against the Orlando Magic. We'll start on the Magic side, um, and the piece that I think is pretty interesting. I'm projecting Aaron Gordon in right now. Do you have any thoughts?
2: I'm, I mean, I'm projecting him out. I don't. I, I assume he's close. I just yeah. hamstring injuries linger, and I don't really know how motivated the magic art to actually bring him back
1: if this were 3-0 i don't think he's i wouldn't project yeah. him in but because it's 2-1 and he's questionable i'm just going to go with it and because it's one i'm just hoping that i don't have to like make that fix later right it, I, I just won't care um if this game were later i i don't know i'd probably treat it the same way but I'm going to assume he plays and I'm he's it's not like they priced him down or anything like that. He's 6700 to me. He's fully off the board. What do you like from Orlando? I mean, if I if I give Gordon 34 minutes, he looks okay. I give him um, 31. Yeah. And I mean and, and by
2: okay, I really mean okay, not like yeah, like yeah a yeah. great play, but um yeah, I mean Orlando is going to be really interesting <laughs> and probably frustrating today because val- like there's such little value on this slate like DraftKings pricing is is good today. And so really the guys that stand out as the most quote unquote underpriced are the Orlando guards again. (laughs) But it's basically the Brooklyn nets of this slate where they're not very good. They're clearly outmatched and everyone's going to roster them because they're obvious. Um, But I mean, it's still favorable pricing when you look at uh, DJ Augustine, when you look at Alts, when you look at, um, Terrence Ross, to a lesser degree. You know, I, I think that seeing where the field goes on Augustine and Fultz is just always going to be a, a profitable move. Like, you, you've seen everyone go to faults every slate, basically. Augustine was popular, I think, maybe one slate. Um, I, I think he was popular the slate after, his, after game one. When he had the monster game, and then he was terrible, and then he was low owned, and great again. But they project really similar. I Me, mean, faults and Augustine, they're playing similar minutes. You know, you're only seeing 28 to 30 minutes for faults. You're seeing mid 20s for Augustine. Um, Augustine is very involved as far as a Cisco, and he actually has a higher usage rate than Fultz so far too. And it's also not like it's a great matchup for faults because uh, Milwaukee's going to try and force you to take threes. Fultz still can't make threes, so yeah. you know it's it's not like it's a a great spot. Um, so again, you know, I think the pricing is cheap enough where there are good values, but it's something that I kind of was talking about on Twitter during the last Orlando game, you see so often when someone's medium projection is slightly better than the players around him that their ownership just shoots through the roof. And that's what you've seen on these Orlando guys. It's not like the range of outcomes is very solid, like the floor is still non-existent. The ceiling is still good. But, you know, I, I think there's a good chance that they're over-owned. And amongst the guards, I would rather just be rostering over the lowest owned ones are.
1: I am on the same page as you right now. Actually, like, uh, we'll see once we get ownership. Uh, actually, like Terrence Ross, the best out of these guys right now. Uh, we'll see where that actually ends up. Oh, we got ownership a minute ago. Dope. Uh, let me plug that in. You were mentioning value before. So I calculate like a dynamic value equation for each slate, depending on where I think value is. So on a standard normal slate during the regular season, like 5x plus 10 becomes. You know, like a standard that people generally use. Today, I have it in at six for DraftKings, 6.3x plus one and a half. <laughs> it's just it's it's straight raw points. It it really it really doesn't matter all that much, at least so far today. Um let's plug ownership in. Chalkiest player on the DraftKings slate today. Any guesses who it is? Marco Holtz. No, but he is fourth. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. That's man.
2: That's going to lead to some builds that are really dicey.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I had a guy make the contenders video today that I was a little bit surprised to see, and sure enough, he's third in ownership today. Is his name so. Danny Green? It is not Danny Green. Same, same sort of, same sort of ballpark, I guess. Uh, Igadala. Oh God! Yeah, uh, it's you know. Where it's at today, it's there's no real way around it. So, here's what Orlando's looking like from an ownership perspective Fultz at 31, Vooch at 15, Fournier 19, Ross 15, Augustine 14. Um, just for me looking at that, I'm more likely to go to Terrence Ross and to a lesser extent, DJ Augustine, I don't get the sense that I'll have much more Kel Fultz if that ownership holds, which I'm happy about because I'm tired of having him, which means today's the day. Uh, but Ross would be the guy standing out most. Where are you going to go with the rest of Orlando? A- any James Ennis, any Vooch? Uh, how are you handling Gary Clark? So, I mean, I guess for, we have to touch on
2: Fournier, I guess, too. I mean, he's still getting ownership. He's still cheap, yeah. but... He's, he's probably – he is the guy that I like the least out of the group just because what, you see it in the playoffs and, and, you know, obviously you're seeing it in the series. But when you have a team that's so much better than the other team, like Milwaukee is here, they can kind of dictate what the other team is doing. And with so with the exception of the Milwaukee has no answer for Booch, But with everyone else, they can kind of dictate what they're doing. And you're seeing them very clearly just saying Evan Fournier is not going to be the guy that that does anything in the series. And, you know, the usage it, it, through the first three games, he has, I think, a 17.5% usage rate in this series. Um, so, you know, he's, as long as ownership's going to him, I'm still just not going to really be interested. You know, he still projects, even if you account for the usage being down, he projects as a decent point-per-dollar play. But I think that um, he's just kind of overprojected across the industry, and that's driving his, his ownership up. So, that you know, that's my thoughts on him. Um, as far as everyone else, I mean, obviously, Aaron Gordon has a big impact here. But you know, assuming you're going to get around 30 minutes with James Ennis, he is an okay value. Gary Clark, if Gordon is out, ends up being an okay value. But but obviously his price tags come up a bit. Um, they're just Orlando is full of guys that are like pretty good medium projections and have a very very cap ceiling.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's really really unpleasant to think about rostering as much Orlando as. I have had. We have Orlando with the third most ownership of any team behind Miami and Milwaukee.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense because the pricing is relatively favorable on them compared to other teams.
1: Yeah. Not fun. All right. So if you're playing anybody from Orlando, who is it?
2: I mean, I'd love to get to Vooch. Um, If I can't, then I think Augustine
1: is my second. I think 9,100 for Vooch is just, it's too high now. I don't know. I, th- I mean, he's, he's the one guy that Milwaukee can't do anything against. <sighs> yeah, but at ninety-one, like, what do I? What do you need from him?
2: I mean, the it, so, like, if you're going the boots, probably in a more balanced lineup
1: because. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: You're not going to get to like Giannis plus Vooch and with the value on the slate, unless your team is just trash. I, I wouldn't yeah. think at least. Um,
1: That's what I so, mean. Like, I mean, we, we have these more- five guys at 10 5 or higher AD, LeBron, Lillard, Giannis, right. Harden. That's why it makes it like r- to get to Vooch like, really creates like a very different lineup construction.
2: Yeah. Cause I mean, I guess he is close enough in salary to them where you're, it's probably not that hard to get him up to like Davis or something. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I've liked Vooch every game this series. I have very, very rarely rostered him because I think it's just been really tough to get there. I assume it'll be the same thing today, but I would love to get to whatever Vooch I can because they, you know, it, it's Brooke Lopez is a very good defender around the rim, but Vooch is going to pull him out to the three point line. He's going to get a ton of open threes, which has been the case the whole time Um, even throughout his career, you know, going back to when Lopez was on other teams, it's been a matchup that he's had success in. So I don't think there's anything surprising about Vooch, the the amount of success Vooch has had. Um, But beyond that, you know, it's, I'm going to be playing all the Orlando guys because they're good point per dollar values. It's just, I really am hoping that I don't end up just like jamming over the field on them because I think the range of outcomes is really wide and has a very, very low floor.
1: All right. Well, let's slide over to the Milwaukee side where you kind of just look at it in like a group of, Three and a half people, Giannis, Middleton, Lopez, and then whatever you think Bledsoe does for a particular day. And then you just start sifting through like nine other dudes that are all sort of the same guy with different skill sets. What stands out most to you from Milwaukee? Obviously, Giannis. Yeah. Uh,
2: I will say that I'm not really sure why, but I have him projected for like three points less than I
1: normally do today. <laughs> I have him at – I'll let you know in this – fuck thing stops spinning uh
2: 63.9 actually i think i figured out i have him at 32 minutes instead of 34 so that's probably the reason
1: i have him uh six tenths of a point ahead of harden and the highest overall score on the slate yeah i haven't done harden yet but um
2: yeah i mean i so obviously I, i love Giannis. it's just gonna come down to a roster construction thing and obviously i'll have more a better idea of where i'm at on that when i come back for live before lock because i'll build lineups by then but um whatever Giannis i can get to obviously especially if gordon's out you know not not that you're saying gordon's gonna stop Giannis, but they at least have a body that is made to slow Giannis down
1: um if, if gordon's out they just have no answer Who's your favorite payup option? I know we're get or do we want to save that for after we hit on a couple of these guys? Like that that's sort of the discussion we're gonna to have to have here. Do you like Giannis more than those other guys?
2: I mean it's it's really it's so close on this slate. And because I, I don't want to factor in blowout, but I mean there's just so much more blowout risk in this game than like the Houston game, you would think.
1: I mean, it's without question, it's a massively larger chance. Right. The question um, is, does that matter at all in the playoffs where if they're blowing them out, Giannis is still playing 30 minutes. Right, and that's
2: that's the thing, too. The game they lost, he played, what, 34 minutes? Yeah. So, realistically, he's losing, like, two minutes, three minutes. Um, not to mention, you know, obviously, if they blow them out, it most likely is because Giannis has, you know, 30 and 20 or something. Right. So, you know, yeah, it doesn't matter much. It, it's really close between him and, and Harden for me. Uh, Davis, a pretty close third, too.
1: Yeah, uh, it's crazy. Like, I have... The ownership on these top salaried guys is basically spot on where I have them projected. Harden's equal. Giannis, I have a little bit behind where his ownership is, so he might end up getting pinched. Lillard, I have basically the same. LeBron, basically the same. AD, basically the same. I like AD the most relative to salary up there. I think Giannis is picking up a little bit too much love, but I mean, it's not like I don't like him individually he's incredible i mean baseline 1.91 fan points per minute his last 30 days that is i don't even know like that's a crazy projection i think i have him at like 35 and 16 or something like really 30 32 and a half 15 boards six assists two and a half stops i kind of
2: uh, i kind of was thinking about it yesterday during the the mavs game when um, you know, obviously Luca had the assist too, but when Luca was sitting at, you know, like 30 and 15 or whatever, and everyone's losing their minds, then I was just kind of sitting there like, you guys know Giannis does this every game, right? Yeah.
1: They're like his averages. Right. It's, and that brings us to our conversation before the show where we talked about how Luca could never be the best player in the league. Yep.
2: Well, I mean, he could, but it would involve Giannis retiring early.
1: Yeah. Or, or dying or something, which would be <laughs> super sad. Um, what do we do with the rest of Milwaukee? Does Chris Middleton show up today? Um, any interest in Brooke Lopez? He's been playing a little bit better from a DFS perspective. Nobody's really picking up too much ownership on DK. Nothing more than twenty for Lopez. Middleton up at thirty on FanDuel, but positional structure changes that a little bit. What else? Yeah, do you no, like I think this, uh,
2: the pricing on the rest of Milwaukee is pretty much where it should be. You know, I, I don't have Middleton, Bledsoe, or Lopez as great values. I don't have them as bad plays either. Uh, the, the one thing I think from a roster construction standpoint that is at least like an interesting thought is if you do go with a more balanced lineup going to like a Middleton or a Bledsoe because they do act as at least some sort of leverage against Giannis you know if, if Middleton were to go out there and just have one of those games where, he does, where, where he's on fire Giannis's projection does come down at least a little bit if you know that happens but it at least works as like a little bit of a natural leverage play, um, against the more popular you know Stars and Scrubs build but uh Giannis is I think clearly at their respective prices the top guy for me and then it's just kind of mixing in Middleton Bledsoe and Lopez
1: I hate I this could, team so
2: much I could see getting this some George Hill too just because value on the slate is so bad
1: yeah he he's looking right now like I don't know him and Lopez are probably two three for me and guys I'm likely to have um 3,900 is just a price tag you can't really find I just don't trust his minutes. It can literally be anybody that picks up a couple extra. And that, that's what you're really right. looking for coming out of Milwaukee. The guy that gets the extra four.
2: Right. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't trust the minutes at all. It's mostly just that he's the cheapest non uh, – he's the cheapest guy that I think you could see at like 26 minutes other than Wes okay. Matthews who doesn't matter.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think we're on the same page there. Do you know what Wes Matthews is averaging in his last 30 days on a per-possession basis – or per-minute basis rather?
2: You mean like fantasy points,
1: yeah, Point four four. that's that's some kind of awful
2: like like slates like this, I always look at them because I'm just like there's no there's no real good value, like is this today West Matthews goes and knocks down six threes,
1: and it's like, yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> he's too busy just being in Evan fortys Jersey for right. half of a game. Well, and he also doesn't key. do anything in the way of
2: he doesn't he doesn't do anything in the way of peripherals either. No. So even if he does go out there and get you like twenty
1: points, he probably still getting you like twenty four fantasy points. Yeah. I was just I was watching him track Fournier. I believe it was game two. and game one, you messaged me about it. It was a game. Was it yeah. game one? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it the, was the first one because Fournier was de- dreadful.
2: Right. That that was the day that like everyone was on Fournier. Yeah. And he was terrible. And then some people, a lot of people still haven't figured it out, but
1: yeah, it, it had very little to do with like Fournier not playing well. They were basically face guarding him. Like he was the best guy on a high school team right. and just not letting him get the ball everywhere. I mean, i it was really weird to see Evan Fournier get defended the way that he was, but, uh. but
2: I mean, it makes like, think about it. Like they don't, they can't do anything with Vooch. Like they're, they're just kind of, they have to just eat that one. Yeah. You don't care about false shooting. DJ teams whatever. Like, it, Gary Clark wants to take 12 threes again. Bud's cool with that. Like, Fournier is the one guy where they actually can do something about it and they actually have incentive to.
1: Yeah. And it seemed to work wonders because Fournier has been a ghost during this series. All right. Uh, favorite play on each side of this game?
2: Yeah. Giannis Vooch. I mean, okay. I just named the two best players on both teams,
1: obviously fantastic touting
2: <laughs> play guys that score a lot of points
1: hey yeah that's what you should do on super draft where Giannis does not have a multiplier but i think is still the best play for today i've got him at the tops nikola vucevic 1.25 x multiplier that would be my main option coming from orlando uh, those two guys for sure the top two plays coming out of this game on super draft Right, as far let's as talk the about, ooh, cheaper good. guys go, um, I,
2: I do have a slight edge to DJ Augustine over everyone else.
1: Okay, uh, I'm leaning more towards Ross at this point. So, uh, get your Marquel Fultz points, yeah. rebounds, assist bets in now.
2: <laughs> it, it, it's mostly the peripherals for Augustine. Like he's just so involved as you know an, an assist option. In addition to his usage being up during the playoffs, um, I, I just think it gives you a little bit. Better and, and again, it's I have them all projected within a point or two of each other, but I just feel a little bit better about Augustine.
1: Okay, that works. Oklahoma City and the Houston Rockets. Uh, Rockets are three point favorites. We still have no um, Russell Westbrook. So let's start on the Oklahoma City side. No crazy ownership coming in here. Paul, Gallo, and Schruder all around 20 to 25 on FanDuel. That's the high. On DraftKings, Gallo at 27 on DK is the high. Everybody else is in the teens. When you look at Oklahoma City, what's the first name that stands out for you?
2: Unfortunately, it's Steven Adams, but I have some thoughts on that too. Um, it's also Steven Adams for me, so
1: yeah, I'm
2: excited-ish. I'm concerned about his minutes here. Interesting. Okay. Talk to me about it. So uh, he played 35 in regulation last game. Then he got hurt, missed overtime. Um, I'm assuming he plays today. Yeah. But does OKC start going small? Like it worked really well for them once they did it last game. Like when they didn't have Adams, they, they played overtime small, that killed them in overtime. Yeah. But also, Lou Dort's the only guy that has shown the ability to slow harden down. And he's been good at it. And so do you just see more of of um, Paul Gildas Alexander, Schroeder, Dort, and Gallo? Because, I mean, I think you
1: should. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if that's Billy Donovan's game, and I'm not entirely sure that Stephen Adams is the guy that they try to do that with. Uh, not that I think Stephen Adams would say anything. Uh, Stephen Adams, I'm co- quite confident, wants to win more than uh, he's going to care if he's getting rotated out. I just don't know if they do that to Adams.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean it's um so so that's you know a concern. The other concern is just that he has just been non-existent offensively. To game one, yeah. um, I understand that post-ups are inefficient and that it's playing into the Rockets if you kind of fall into that because they do have they do still have good post-up defenders and because post-ups are inefficient. But I think you could maybe make an exception when you have Stephen Adams posted up on Eric Gordon on the block, like say go to the basket, but he hasn't. So
1: yeah, you know that, that's, that's been that the weirdest concern, part of it for me. They're. It hasn't even just been Houston. Just any team. Eric Gordon Uh, is out. Oh, okay. Well, good to know. Um, Anyway, I thought you meant Eric, and I was just like, oh, (laughs) shit. Like Things are about to get real wild while we're on the show. Uh, I appreciate you clarifying. I've seen so many teams get this mismatch where their actual center is switched on to someone that isn't guarding them on the block. Whatever size person that is, a beneficial matchup. And there, no one is looking for it now. And I feel like the pendulum is swung too far. Like, if Steven Adams can get a touch remotely close to the block, any anything mildly deep, the first look that he should be doing is trying to score. Right? If that, he doesn't I mean, have doesn't that, something's like,
2: there. Like, the, the Rockets do have several undersized but good post-up defenders. Yeah. But, like, there was there was one particular possession that just stood out because they passed it into Adams, and I think it was Eric Gordon. It might have been – I don't know. It was – One of their like it was a guard that was not James Harden. Just you know, on Adams, and Adams just immediately like didn't
1: even look at the basket, just kicked it back out. Yeah. It's I understand that some of these guys from Houston are strong. PJ Tucker is a fire hydrant. You're not like backing him down, but you're still you're definitely getting a clean look from five to seven feet. I would like to see Adams at least look for himself a little bit more. It's there. He was plus five. Uh, in 35 minutes in game three. I think that's helpful. Dort also positive. I think they start with Adams with the goal of just playing like they normally do. And if they get to a point where they need to switch, I think Adams is the first guy that's out of there. And Lou Dort is out there as well. The other key piece to all of this is I think that went as well as it possibly could have for Dort in game three, 36 minutes his defensive footwork was fantastic. They didn't even really need to help on him. He was they, they, getting they to the spot. Helping. They were getting well, themselves yeah, they, in trouble they because they were helping. Yeah. Uh, there is also a very likely scenario that James Harden just puts Lou Dort into foul trouble too. Yeah, yeah, of course. So they did get the dream scenario out of it in game three. That's what gives me a little bit more pause. What are you projecting Adams for from a minutes perspective? I think I'm going to go 28, 29. Okay, I have him in for 30 right now, which makes him be an incredible play.
2: (laughs) Um, I'm pulling up the numbers now, too, because if I remember correctly, Houston has actually been just, you know, even going back to the regular season, they actually weren't giving up a lot of offensive rebounds. Um, I'm looking now to double-check that, though.
1: Yeah, let me check, too. Let's see if I can beat you to it. When did they get Covington, like mid-February? Yeah, deadline. I mean I would I would just go March first and call it a day.
2: Well you get like two games then.
1: Um and eight more and yeah three yeah, sure. more and I went
2: yeah I went like February twenty first. I think they traded for him on the plane. Or something like that.
1: Um, are you gonna beat me?
2: Um feels
1: like it because it no, feels like I'm everything page. I'm, I'm trying I'm, to
2: do I'm on the wrong page,
1: so all right. March 1st, 2020, apply filters, offensive rebound rate for Houston. What did I? I, I hate my life. We are both terrible. This is great. Great show, by the way. You and I just Googling things at a terrible rate. I can't even find Houston now. 26th in offensive rebounding rate since March 1st. That's not true. Well,
2: isn't that how many offensive rebounds they get?
1: What do you mean? What are you what are you looking up? What Houston gives up? Oh, okay. That, we're talking about two different things then. Uh, they are 29th in defensive rebound rate right now since March 1st. So Yeah,
2: okay. So they've allowed not good. I, I had to complete that. They they've allowed since February 20th, they've allowed the most offensive rebounds per game.
1: It should be good for Stephen Adams. Yeah. <laughs> Well, because my, um,
2: my thought process was, for whatever reason, I re- I thought I remembered Houston not being – or not giving up a lot, even though it doesn't make sense that they wouldn't. But right. um, And so then, was, like, so much of Stephen Adams' offensive game comes from rebounds and putbacks. But, yeah, if that, I don't really know why Stephen Adams has been so uninvolved um, in all aspects offensively.
1: I'll say this. If I leave Stephen Adams at 30 minutes, he is my best play of the day relative to public ownership. That is not a journey that I'm looking to go on today. (laughs) So I'm going to be able to walk that back, still get Steven Adams exposure, and not have to worry about him being in 75% of my stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean I'm gonna at 29 minutes, he's still a really
1: good value for me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't have a choice here. If I go to 28, I assume that he still looks about as good as it gets. What do you want to do with the rest of OKC? DraftKings has Dort at 4K.
2: I was when we pulled this game up. I was just like, "Oh, I bet Dort's the guy that I can convince myself I should play at thirty three hundred and then be miserable." But even he's priced up.
1: Yeah. What do you want with the rest of OKC? Do any of the guards stand out to you? They all look
2: pretty comparable. I think that Schroeder is probably the most appealing just because he's the cheapest. You're kind of all three of those guys are capable of taking over any one game. I don't think there's any real way to predict who it is. I, I've said before that I'm generally playing two of the three, like at most two of the three. I don't think there's a lot of games where all three of them go nuts.
1: No, I, I'm without question. I'm setting a rule of CP three SGA Schroeder, max two. Yeah. Um, in a weird way, like Gallo, you would think Gallo would be a part of some sort of group like that, but because he's not a guard, I'm just going to assume. That I do it was,
2: sometimes with Gallo yeah. kind of depending on the slate. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, Gallo is, Gallo is a problem on his own just because you know, we talk about it all the time. like he's, he's good for 35 points, and he's probably not getting more than like 37 and a half.
1: Yeah, I, I think he, he's the most owned guy on Oklahoma City right now at 27%. I would expect to come in a bit under that. Uh, let's top Dort, though. He's 4K, which is more expensive than I was expecting to see, but 4% owned. Is he going underrepresented, by the way. Watching him shoot is not fun.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Dor- Doris Burke just imploring him to stop taking wide open threes. Yeah, just under- dribble to the hoop. Yeah, <laughs> just pass the ball.
1: Yeah, they're leaving you open for a reason. Yeah, yeah, um, he was, it was funny at one yeah. point in time. I get it. Like, I would want to shoot it too, but I would, dribble drive, make someone step up on you. You're a tank of a human being. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't
2: know, but I'm assuming he's not the best dribbler.
1: No, probably not. Not probably but, not.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's appealing because if he can stay out of foul trouble, he's going to play so many minutes, you would think. Yeah. And maybe he can make like a few wide open threes, but it's obviously not the most likely outcome. The most likely outcome is that either A, he manages to get in foul trouble this time, or B, he. Just plays defense the whole game and, and doesn't really do anything from a fantasy standpoint.
1: I'll say this much, and I think we're probably on the same page here. If you he, if we have him at four percent all the way up until one thirty, we're both going to be over the field on Dortmund. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Like
0: thoughts with notwithstanding. If he is single digits and owner, it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper?
1: especially in that four range there's just no reason to not have more um there's not enough value out on the slate like i decided to adjust my tj mcconnell minutes he didn't really play (laughs) in game four or game three uh but he's showing up as like this insane value that is not the right path for me uh so
2: if uh, i just refreshed it so i'll have
1: the answer if i'm looking at okc I think the most likely scenario for me is going to be SGA again, um, 11.9% ownership. Uh, So some sort of combination of SGA, Adams, and Dort are my favorite three plays coming from OKC. Not to say that I don't like Paul or Gallo. I just think that those guys are already owned where they should be. Schroeder in particular, not all that interested at 6,200.
2: I was just looking to see where we had like the cheap, the guys in like the 4k range owned on draft things. And I think the ownership actually is pretty much where it should be. Um, like Danny Green's getting 12%. He's kind of the same play as Dort except better. Yeah. You know, so I think like if Danny Green had been like 30% and Dort was four, I would say that like that's a mistake, but at 12% Danny Green, I'd rather just
1: go there. So after adjusting Adam's minutes to 28 and getting rid of the nonsense that was pulling uh TJ McConnell to the top Lou Dort, number two today relative to salary. That's half fun. relative to salary and current ownership. Okay. That's just not, not ideal, not ideal. But if that means that for every Lou Dort share, I get, I get more shares of AD and harden and stuff like that. Those are the guys that are truly going to break it Any one of those guys go for 70 plus today. It is a full on lock. You need it. Yeah. All righty. Let's hit on Houston. But before we do 775 people in here, 115 likes ain't going to cut it folks. We need to double that number up. Let's get north of 200 hit that thumbs up. It helps us out tremendously. Um, I still don't know what's free today. Why would that be updated? Anyway, Houston Rockets. James Harden, 11 3 on FanDuel, 11 7 on DK, no multiplier on Superdraft, but he is still my favorite play on Superdraft coming from the Rockets. How do you go to Harden? Um, You feeling it today?
2: He he got his most shots by far last game because, I mean, he got 27 field goal attempts, but he also had 15 uh, free throws. So that was good to see, at least. You know, I'd been somewhat concerned that they were keeping the ball out of his hands, but. I think you're also seeing the prices come up more on the other expensive players. So Harden starts to look really good again. Uh, Ownership will play a big role for me there. I mean, if we have, we have Giannis at 33%, we have Harden at 22. I think at that point I'm starting to go back to Harden.
1: These guys are tricky, man. So tricky. Yeah. 20 for Harden 33 for Giannis. I definitely think, yeah, like, I think that ratio is pretty correct Uh, relative to where I have them. The question is, is that too extreme? I don't think so. Uh, 11.7 is so much on a day like today. Yeah, I agree with that. That's a lot of ownership going to that 10K range. So I'm really intrigued to see where the biggest, like who ends up slipping through the cracks as value and who doesn't. Next guy we got to touch on, not getting any ownership on DK. He is on Fanduel because there's nobody at that position. I'm excited in a way, but the price isn't great. Robert Covington. Uh, if people are game log watching, did not play a ton of minutes in their last game. What do you have him projected? Well, that's true. Uh, what do you have him projected for minutes wise? How do you feel about Covington today? I'll probably
2: go like 32 minutes. Uh, I think they prefer Jeff Green at this point.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I have him in for 32 minutes as well. I do also think that they prefer Jeff Green. I think it's really hard to look at game three as a, a harbinger of things to come. Like foul trouble happened early, and then once Harden was gone, it's not like Covington's some sort of ball creator. They needed to go to a different direction that way. Point Jeff Green. Yeah. Austin Rivers, unfortunately. Um, so I don't Jeff mind. Green really was, Jeff Green was running point. Jeff Green was running everything. Yeah. Honestly, uh, I just kind of like the side pieces of Houston a little bit better. Um, so, like, I'm in for Eric Gordon. That's not going to be a fun ride. Never. I'm probably in for PJ Tucker at 4,200, given the way this slate looks. So, that should be just a full on blast. <laughs> what do you want to do with Houston?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be going back to Eric Gordon, especially DraftKings. He has guard forward eligibility. So, it's really easy to get him in the lineups. I understand he's, him shooting poorly is is his thing. So you can't just look and say, oh, he keeps shooting poorly. But the opportunities are there. I mean, he's taken 17, 20, and 24 field goal attempts, 6, 10, and 10 threes. So far through the first three games, he's 4 for 26 from 3. Like, the opportunities are there at the very least. And as bad as, you know, you may think he is, 4 for 26 is below what you expect from him from 3. So, you know, I, I think, you know, the minutes are there. That basically, he's playing – As poorly as he really can, and he's still getting 30 fantasy points a game. Um, the upside for him to go, you know, 40 plus is certainly there.
1: I'll be right there with you on Gordon. Is it still Jeff Green season? Is he just good now or is he about to have like Jeff Green, a normal (laughs) Jeff Green down day? You know Jeff Green. It
2: obviously scares me, but the way they're using him, you know, he's he's involved in multiple ways. You know, like I said, when Harden was out, Green had the ball in his hands a ton. They're playing him a bunch of minutes every game you know i i think being a center is not the the best but it's also not the best center slate uh you know you don't have a ton of really good centers here so yeah I'm, i mean i'm going back to green i wish his price were a little bit cheaper
1: same um he might just have gotten to houston like multiple years too late this seems to fit him so well uh interesting like this is sort of what i was expecting rudy gay's career to slowly look like but it doesn't appear like it's going that yeah. direction um i don't know go jeff green i guess uh, we didn't say anything about daniel house i don't really have anything to say like he he exists he's,
2: yeah he has have, have some sure he's, he's gonna play probably like 34 to 36 minutes you're hoping that he puts up a line like he did last game where he got i think
1: 12 and 11 all right favorite play from oklahoma city favorite play from houston
2: OKC okay, is so just so tough because they're all the same. Yeah. Um, in cash, probably Gallow.
1: Safe bet there.
2: In tournaments, probably Schroeder. Unless Adams' ownership's low, how didn't
1: look at that. Eighteen.
2: He's up to twenty-two now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably Schroeder. Really, there's no one guy that I'd be preferring. It's just that I would be mixing and matching these guys through line. Like, whoever fits in my lineup, I'm happy with.
1: I think taking Adams is shrewd, but taking Dennis is shrewder. I'm leaving now. <laughs> Shit, I pasted in the ownership in reverse. Yeah, I don't believe. If you want to get out of here, and Chad, if you guys all want to get out of here after that one, it's <laughs> fully deserved. I get it. I get it. Go ahead and hit that thumbs up if you like that joke. I'm going to see that number change from 182 to 180. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. But for real, uh, hit that thumbs up. You didn't do a very good job of getting that over 200. So I'm going to ask again. But what I actually want to do is plug the promo code Mamba, M-A-M-B-A. If you want to get a week of Awesimo Plus at half off, 50% off, it's $8.24. Kobe's jersey numbers. Today is Mamba Day. It is $8.24. You can get projections, ownership, boom, bust, tool, rankings, all sorts of other stuff, access to our premium Slack channel for $8.24. Today is the last day that you can use this promo code. So if you want to sign up, it's the promo code Mamba, M-A-M-B-A, $8.24 for a week of Awesome O+. Go ahead and check that out. Two games to go. The Miami Heat and the Indiana Pacers. Let's start on the Miami side Bam bio. crazy ownership on FanDuel, 44%, where he is a power forward, and it shouldn't be too surprising. There are only like six of them today. Uh, on DK, it's just a sea of 18 to 25%-ish dudes. If you're playing on Superdraft, get yourself Jimmy Butler at a 1.4x multiplier. How do you want to roster the Miami Heat for today? So, I mean,
2: Crowder looks like a good value at 4,200. He's getting a bunch of ownership as well. Played 27 and a half minutes last game. Sort of kind of closed, was literally on the floor for the closing minutes, but played two, three minutes in the the fourth quarter. So, I mean, the the playing time for him is still a concern, but he's cheap enough where he's going to be a decent point-per-dollar projection. You know, you mentioned um, Iguodala's ownership being high. He's playing big minutes, but he's just not involved. You know, I think that's the spot where it's a good point-per-dollar projection because he is so cheap, but it's just really, really unlikely that he – is the, like, puts up a score that you actually meet. Um, You know, I think if you fade Iguodala and he happens to go for 30 points, you got really unlucky.
1: Based on the way that I have it set up right now, and it'll change a little bit, I have it that you need 23 and a half fantasy points from Andre Iguodala today (laughs) to be like, yeah. well, that worked. That's, I've never seen it like that before. And that's why you see Andre Igadala showing up at 29%. Here's the question. Is Andre Igadala like the optimizer play as if we were in baseball today? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. Um, he might be a guy that I just – I project what I think is incorrectly just to stop it from happening. I just I can't see a scenario where Andre Igadala should be 29% owned. Even though I think it's right, so to speak. Here are Andre Iguodala's usage rates in the first
2: three games of this series. 5.7, 8.2, 3.
1: Can't even add those fucking numbers together and get to 20. Right.
2: He has taken three, four, and two field goal attempts and zero free throws.
1: What's really crazy is I've watched a lot of this series, more than I would like to because it's just not fun. Uh, I feel like I've seen him shoot a ton. Uh, it's just clearly not true. He's taking shots. I've definitely been picking my head up while Andre Iguodala shoots at yeah. a disproportionate
2: rate. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and obviously, like you can say, well, Andre Iguodala's never a high usage guy, blah, blah, blah. But he's, he's still, never like, a 4% usage guy right, either. He's like a 12 to 16% usage guy, yeah. not,
1: not single digits. Uh, What do you think you do with him? I mean let's just say that 28.9% ownership holds your most likely scenario is significantly less. Probably, or at least
2: in lineup. Cause I mean, again, it, it's, it's so you don't want to talk about the stuff in a vacuum because it depends yeah. on the rest of your lineup. Um, if you're making a stand like somewhere else or, or you're contrarian in a lineup, he is a good point per dollar value yeah. just because he's so cheap. So I'd be fine getting there. But yeah, I don't think if, if Iguodala is going to be one of the most popular plays on the slate, it's kind of like when Royce O'Neill is the – except an even worse version of Royce O'Neill, from a DFS standpoint. Um, it's just, you know, is he capable of having his best game in, you know, three months? Yeah, but if everyone's going there, the risk-reward is kind of – the reward is higher by saying, I hope 30% of the field gets 12 points from this guy that they're rostering than saying, I hope that Andre Wadala has his best game by far so that I can still compete with 10,000 lineups that happen.
1: Okay. Uh, do you have like a list of everybody's salary in front of you quickly? Um, I can. Okay. So we have Andre Iguodala at 3,500. He's projected for 29% ownership. Everybody that's 3,900 or below, the next highest guy is going to be Caruso at 14, who we haven't gotten to yet, but that's not really important. Do you see any natural moves off of Andre Iguodala that stand out to you? I'd rather go to Danny Green. Okay.
2: I'd probably rather go to KCP. Okay. I'd rather go to Caruso.
1: Factory in ownership. Yeah, I, I, I'm a hundred percent with you on the KCP call. You can make a real good case that just because of the ownership, like I'd rather go to Marquise Morris. Which I don't know, fun. But...
0: Or like I mean, Wes Matthews again. Problem
1: there is like
2: <laughs> Morris's minutes are just so capped. KCP KCP Green Caruso are going to go. Assuming Rondo's out, are going to go out there and run around the floor for Rondo 20, is out already. Oh, okay, okay. I believe. Um, I say I saw him walking after the game, so I mentally ruled him out. But I didn't know if that was official. Um, they're at least going to go out there and and be on the floor for twenty six to thirty two minutes. Morris can play as well as you want, and
1: he's playing eighteen to twenty minutes most likely. He's doubtful. Okay, so we're not projecting him in, obviously. Okay, I just want to hit on some of those value plays at the bottom. Um, let's circle back to Miami, I guess. It's just a really tricky team. They're all like average dudes that get average ownership. Yeah, <laughs> I like Crowder, as you mentioned. Tyler Hero looks good. I don't know why Duncan Robinson isn't seeing like a couple more minutes in this series, especially he, given that he was shooting like eighteen for fourteen. <laughs> he felt, felt like he four didn't in miss. the
2: fourth quarter last game. Well,
1: that's good. That's good. It's right. actually kind of
2: funny because he stepped on the floor, they went on a 6-0 run and then he got benched.
1: Yeah. The the tricky part is they're winning. And right. it's really difficult to like pick things apart when you're up three nothing. I mentioned it on Contenders today. Like from a DFS perspective, I think people think that Bam is like dreadful, but he's just being the guy that they need in this series. Like it's more important for BAM to be good for the heat than good for our DFS lineup. Right. Right, like his his rates are
2: down in the series because you're seeing yeah. more, like you're just seeing shots go to Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic. Yeah. But he's doing so much stuff to win games for Miami. Yeah. Uh,
1: I don't get the sense I'm going to have a ton from Miami. I think they're going a little overowned. Like I've been they on out Butler. out pretty well
2: for me, at least right now, but um, I, I haven't finished adjusting stuff. But I think their salaries are pretty affordable. Like still 8,100 for Butler looks pretty good to me. 7,600 for Bam looks fine, especially because, you know, again, on a slate where the Lakers are playing and uh, the Rockets are playing and Steven Adams is playing and Milwaukee's playing. Center's not a great position. So I think Bam looks fine. Goran Dragic, I think, is still a good play at
1: 6,500,
2: yeah. um, you know, playing 34-plus minutes. So, yeah, I still think those guys are pretty solid. And they do kind of – I mean, not, not that it matters all that much because of how cheap Iguodala is – but as long as Jimmy Butler and Horan Dragic are still taking a million shots, it does help you kind of kill that Iguodala value play if, if that's not in your lineup.
1: Very true. Um, I just think Butler's price a little too high. Like, he grades out really well, again, in a vacuum. But right. at 27% ownership, I think that he's already getting a little over-owned.
2: i owned Yeah, and again, like, I haven't built lineups. So I don't know how it goes roster construction-wise. But I know when he was 7,600 last slate, I had, like – close to hundred percent. So I'm assuming that at 8,100, I'll still have plenty.
1: Yeah. And I was over on uh, Butler in game three as well. I don't get the sense that that's going to be the case today. I think I'm going to have a lot of exposure to Miami, but it's going to be like seven or eight different dudes at that's, 10 to 20. That's how I feel about
2: OKC also.
1: Okay. Well, let's talk about the Indiana side of this game. Malcolm Brogdon at 30% ownership. I'm kind of bummed that's as high as it is. Uh, I had a ton in game three that went really well. I don't get the sense that's going to happen again. Uh, Justin Holiday I think, looks like a solid value at 4200 um, And then Oladipo's at 24%. I'm not entirely sure that is ideal. What do you want to do with Indiana? Is this just the last we see of Indiana this season?
2: Most likely, but their salaries are really affordable. Yeah. You know, Brogdon, out? like his salary came up, but he was so underpriced before that it's an example of he's still underpriced, I think. He, he's playing huge minutes. He's doing everything for the team. He's playing really, really well. Um, it, it's not, I'm not looking at Brogdon's not an example of, you know, oh, he played well. His salary came up. Now I'm getting away. I'm still, still really, really like Brogdon there. Um, Ola Depot, he's obviously not the same player that he was a couple of years ago but even uh, adjusting for that you know he's still shooting a lot he's still playing big minutes he's only 6300 and on DraftKings, he has guard forward eligibility so i think he ends up being really useful from a roster inspection
1: standpoint i'm just ready to not have tj warren around i went from a liking him to now i can't stand him because i've I hated like him.
2: him ever since uh, he got ejected like two minutes into the second half of a game
1: where I finished like fifth in the monster on FanDuel with him. Worst, the worst. Brogdon at thirty one percent ownership is really wild. How high is that for the day? He's got to be one of the top five. I think he should be. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree. Like you, to me, He's if you're fourth. trying it,
2: like if you're making an argument for why Brogdon ownership would be high. To me, it has nothing to do with Brogdon. It just has to do with the price range where, you know, yeah, he may be the best play when you compare him to any other individual guy in that price range. But if you lump them all together and say, does Malcolm Brogdon beat all of them? The chances are pretty low.
1: Yeah. Like I see Shay a hundred dollars cheaper at 11% ownership compared to Brogdon right. 30. I'm just more likely to get to Brogdon in that spot. Um, and that's the example of like, if, if I'm playing Andre
2: Iguodala, I'm looking for spots like that. Where I can say, okay, you know, I'll, I'll take the value on Aguadala that everyone else is taking, but I'll take you know this four to one stand with uh, Gildas Alexander, for example.
1: Do you have any thoughts on Justin Holiday?
2: Not that I can say publicly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's another. He he started last game. He played 32 minutes. He'd been closing over Aaron Holiday anyway. He's not going to get usage like he's playing with Oladipo and Brogdon and Warren. Um, he'll get more than Igudala will get. You know, I think that he's he's another one where he's a decent value just based on the minutes he's going to play. I would feel a little bit better about him than Igudala just because again he's going to be a little bit more involved. But, I think I'm going to end up getting to him at 4,200. Yeah. I really meant a little bit his his usage rates in the three games this the series. Nine point one, nine point nine, ten point nine.
1: It's rare that you look at a guy's projection and see that you have him in for a fourteen percent usage rate, and think I might need to ru- like dial that one back a bit. Yeah. You know. I, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference when you're making switches of usage from like fourteen to eleven. Um, it just doesn't sting as bad, right? <laughs> Let's go ahead and walk that back right now. Uh, let's just make it twelve. I can't go too crazy. I don't think he's gonna just always be a ghost. Yeah, I'm still in. I'll have a little bit. I'll have a little bit. I I think. I mean, really, it's
2: just to me. This is a slate where I think playing 150 lineups gives you, uh, or playing, playing the maximum you can in whatever tournament you're playing. But um, you know, 150, obviously being the, the main example, gives you even more of an edge than normal because one or two of these value guys probably have a game above. Expectation. It's just that none of them are like the obvious one to do it. And so being able to mix and match those guys is gonna give you a really big advantage over people that are saying, Oh yeah, I'm gonna just play five lineups and I'm just gonna guess which one has a good
1: game. Favorite play from Miami, favorite play from Indiana. Brogdon and probably Butler. And I don't think that we mentioned it before, but I'm assuming that Iggy looks like a fantastic cash option for you. Yeah,
2: just, yeah. I mean, he's going to be, for no other reason, because he's going to be so popular. Right. Like if you're playing 50 50s and you're not taking the quote unquote free square at 3,500, you're kind of just lowering, you're not increasing your upside, but you're just lowering your downside.
1: (laughs) Very, very true. All right, you guys, uh, we've got one game left to go. So. Got to give you my shout out to superdraft.io, presenting sponsor of our NBA product basketball, baseball, golf, MMA, NASCAR. Uh, NFL is going to be here so soon. I don't know how long that season's going to last, but that won't matter at Superdraft because uh, it's week by week. So, you know, play there anyway. Use the promo code awesome010. Get yourself, I think it's awesome010. God, I don't have it in front of me. I'm losing my mind. Awesome 010, God, God, like I didn't know it. Use the promo code Awesome 010, M O one zero. Get yourself $10 on your first deposit of $10 or more. Get yourself $20 on your first deposit of $100 or more. You don't have to worry about salaries. You can take guys like Jimmy Butler, who gets 1.4 times his fantasy points for the game, or Malcolm Brogdon at 1.55x multiplier. These are the types of guys you want to look for. I'll give you my top five on Super Draft right now. It is Giannis, Harden, Butler, Brogdon, AD. Now, if I gave you that list on, uh, for DraftKings or FanDuel, you'd be like, oh, thanks for recommending really good dudes that I can't fit in a lineup together. It's not how it works at SuperDraft. You can play all, every single one of those guys together, and you probably should. So go ahead, check out SuperDraft. You can download it in the App Store or go to SuperDraft.io. It's SuperDraft, no limits, more winning. People think they are experts. Makes me laugh. This is coming from I Smoke Rocks Joe Rogan. Fantastic YouTube account right there. Let's close it out. Portland Trailblazers, LA Lakers. Lakers five and a half? Nope, eight, seven and a half? Seven and a half point favorites against Portland. Uh, let's just start here. Do you think Hassan Whiteside starts again? Yep. If I told you that Hassan Whiteside and Yusuf Nurkic we're starting alongside of each other for Portland at any point in time during this season. Like, let's say I told you that in November. Where do you, like, do you, do you ever assume it's a playoff game? Do you ever assume that Dame Willard is alive? Like, how bad do you think Portland is?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you told me in November, I wouldn't have believed you. If you had told me, I mean, they were, they were doing it in the exhibition games before the seeding games. So you kind of saw yeah. it coming. But yeah, uh, if you told me in November, I would have thought things went really sideways. It's
1: incredible.
2: Well, I don't actually, under- if you had told me – I don't remember when they signed Carmelo. If you told me after they signed Carmelo, if you told me before Carmelo, I would have been like, yeah, they probably just got tired of this year little. Yeah, uh, uh,
1: halfway into the season-ish, yeah, something like that. I, I can't – I don't understand how they're doing it. I don't understand, like, why it doesn't seem to be just fully dreadful. Are the Lakers just that unappealing?
2: I mean, I think – I don't think I've seen – I haven't watched one of the games, but just from following beat writers and them tweeting about it, um, it's had, it's been beneficial, at least according to them, um, as far as rim protection goes and at least somewhat keeping Anthony Davis from just doing whatever the hell he wants.
1: Yeah, which is crazy because it shouldn't. Like, that's what's crazy to me.
2: Right, which that, that's the other side of it is the Lakers beat writers saying, if Anthony Davis just realized he could do whatever he wants, he still would.
1: Yeah, like he's – there is no scenario where either one of those two big men can guard Anthony Davis on the perimeter. It's just not happening. And particularly not happening for Hassan Whiteside. This is craziness. This is basically like, we, we talk so much about Philly being like, they don't have enough shooting on the floor. Ben Simmons can't shoot. Joel Embiid like doesn't look great when he does it. Full stop. Yusuf Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside are not going to be like knocking down 25 threes a game here. For some reason, I guess Dame Willard, it, it just works here. I, you, who needs spacing when you can just shoot from the logo? Yeah, it's also yeah. I guess, I guess this Portland team is so weird to me. I don't know what they do next year. I don't know what they tr- where they try to go. I don't think they can ever win anything without like blowing it up. And I ha- don't think there's any any chance that they blow it up. It's so and weird. also to be
2: fair, you're not getting a ton of minutes of Nurkic and Whiteside alongside each other. Like you're you're getting some. Yeah, but you know, like last game, Whiteside played twenty five point seven. Nurkic played 35.2 so that's 12 minutes alongside each other yeah
1: Miguel Fernandez says they miss Zach Collins they miss what they want what they think Zach Collins can be uh, he's never really been it unfortunately so the problem here is that Hassan Whiteside is probably the best play on the Blazers today yep. and the ownership is already there at 31 percent how do you manage the Blazers today
2: I mean, I'm going to roster whiteside. I think that so yeah. you have to, you have to account for the fact that he is playing, you know, half to 33 to 50% of his minutes alongside Nurkic. So you do need to make sure that his usage is coming down from, you know, like his season average and his rebounding rate is coming down from the season average. But still, if you're expecting around 26 minutes from whiteside and you're as value starved as you are on the slate, like just from a ceiling standpoint, Hasan Whiteside at forty eight hundred or Justin Holiday at forty two hundred. It's not even the same ballpark. Yeah, no, and no. so that's why I'm much more interested in Whiteside as value than I am in these other guys because I think it still like there's a really low floor for Whiteside, no doubt about it. But the ceiling just is is off the charts compared to the other cheap guys that are getting ownership. So I'm much more in on going the Whiteside than the other value we talked about.
1: Yeah, I think he is in it like he's number one on portland today and i don't think that there's anybody that i could classify as number two that would make that the right sort of progression it's a very steep drop off there's no other real ownership coming in here mellow at 11 percent is the second highest i think i like gary trent if he's fully unowned um i don't expect to have much portland here is that a is that a leak do you think that with them projecting so little ownership going to Portland is a better GPP play.
2: I mean, yeah, I think it makes them better GPP play. The thing is, you know, outside of Whiteside, none of these guys are going to project as great plays, which is why the ownership's going to be down. Um, but typically, when that's the case, when they're as good, when they're as high upside as the Portland guys are from a DFS standpoint, typically it's going to make them good tournament plays. The problem, though, is that, you know, probabilities still come into play. And, it's not like you're just saying, you know, I just need Damian Lillard to beat LeBron James at a fraction of the ownership. That's one thing. But you're saying, I need Damian Lillard to beat LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Giannis, and James Harden. All of them. That's still a, a really low probability thing, especially when you're talking about Harden's playing without Westbrook and uh, Giannis is playing against a team that doesn't have any at any length to defend them. So, you know, that's a low probability thing. You look at uh, C.J. McCollum, who I think – you know, you could certainly use as that pivot to like a Brogdon or a Butler or whatever, but there's so many guys in that range again, where it's still pretty low probability. Um, I think beside Whiteside, side, Mello is probably the one that I'm most interested in, especially if he's not getting much ownership. I thought he might, since he had a big game last game, but he's playing really big minutes. He's at a position. That's a lot weaker. Uh, you know, yeah. Damon and, and McCollum, obviously at the guard positions, uh, Melo at the forward positions that are a lot weaker. He's still not expensive. So I do have interest in him and just hoping that it's a game where you know he, he has a big game again. Um, I, I think he'd be my second Portland guy behind Whiteside.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't – he's the third highest guy relative to salary um, behind Whiteside and Gary Trent. Yeah, the Lillard one's tough. Like, I have him pretty far behind the other four expensive guys on the slate. I just don't see a reason why I would get to a lot of him. I have Lillard as a good play. I just have him as not as good a play as the other four. I don't even have him as a good play, honestly. I mean, how many minutes do you have him at? 41? Yeah, I'm at 43. Okay. Um, He's one of the few people in the league that I feel comfortable giving any amount of minutes because crazy assholes do it in the regular season. (laughs) I mean, they're they're down, what, 3-1 now, right? Yeah, I'm going to bump it up to 42. I'll
2: say, if he... Barring injury or foul trouble, there's a better chance he plays 48 minutes than 38 or less, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, One rotation out in the first half and then uh, Right. That's my
2: expectation is he sits once in the first half and that's it. But like I think that there is a better chance that they're just like, yeah, he's not sitting today than if they they just intentionally played him like 38.
1: All righty. I don't have much more to add on the Portland side. So let's go to the Lakers. Uh, We have to start with AD and LeBron because they are like the two main functional pieces of this team. Surprise, surprise. I prefer AD to LeBron. Uh, Ownership is slightly heavier. Um, I expect to get to more AD than LeBron. I have been the entire time, but KCP is probably the guy that I have my eye on the most, just relative to salary 3,800. I think he should be owned a little bit more. Start with the studs. How are you breaking down LBJ and AD?
2: Typically prefer whichever one's the, the lowest owned. Um, if they're similar, though, I do give the slight edge to Davis because, again, they, he should just do whatever he wants. Not, not saying LeBron can't or, or shouldn't. Uh, Portland's just terrible defensively in, in pretty much all aspects. But um, I typically give the slight edge to Davis. LeBron's ownership, though, you know, right now he's basically, what, two-thirds the ownership of, of Davis on draftings. Yeah. Um, that you know starts to become appealing. Plus on DraftKings, you have guard forward eligibility for LeBron, so you can fit him in really easily. Um, Davis you know, gives you forward center, and center's not that good today, so uh, it's not really difficult to get to him either. I think that you know they're both really good plays. It's kind of splitting hairs. I, I give the slight edge to whoever's lower owned a lot.
1: <sighs> I, I can't stop going to AD. One, I'm happy that it breaks out that way in my sheet, but two, I just can't stop looking at this matchup and thinking – Hey, Anthony, if you want to realize that you're in this game, feel free to do it. He did it in the second half. He started being ultra yeah. aggressive. He did it in game it two. What, game two? Yeah. Yeah, so, so this series is 2-1, not 3-1. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but in the first half of game three, like, he was just, they were pushing him around, and it, he looked like grumpy because someone was deciding to play against him. Right. Just jam it down their throat, man. Uh, how are you sifting through the value here? Kuzma doesn't look great to me. So it's Danny Green, KCP, Caruso, Markeith Morris. What do you like most out of those four?
2: I think Caruso, KCP, and Green are pretty much interchangeable as far as DFS goes. Their salaries are about the same. They have similar roles. Uh, Caruso's role, obviously, a little bit different than KCP and Green, but um, from a production standpoint, you know, similar it's just I, I like rotating through these guys at the expense of like Iguodala in tournaments and holiday in tournaments.
1: I think that makes a lot of sense. What are you projecting Cous- or Caruso's minutes right now? To uh, 26 uh, ish. OK, I don't know what they're going to do there. Like I, I expected to see more waiters in this series. I went to J.R. Smith in game three, which caught me off guard. Because J.R. Smith is never the answer, just in case anybody's curious. Um, and is Dion Waiters though? I, I, to me, he's more of an answer than J.R. is. I mean, people would want J like people would want Dion Waiters somewhere. Jr. J.R. Smith would stand
2: in the corner and, and let them run the offense. So Dion Waiters is Dylan Brooks-esque. Sure.
1: As long as Jr could reach his handy on the sideline, he'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, I I expect to just rotate through Green, Caruso, KCP with the guy least owned being the guy that I have the most and vice versa.
2: Yeah, why didn't Kuzma play? So I know he was in first half out
1: trouble, but that didn't last. I'm guessing they finally realized that he's Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not. They didn't need like offense out there either. It's amazing. Amazing that they didn't trade him. I don't get it. You know when you look at this team, you're like, oh, this doesn't fit. Someone – like, he will fit somewhere. Right. But you are not the right position for this team. Let's go ahead and hang on until you don't have any value.
2: What's the correlation between people that think Kyle Kuzma is great and Michael Porter Jr. is great? Like, (sighs) one-to-one?
1: Well, no. Like, I I see them as totally different. Currently. Not what they can end up being. Well, I think Michael Porter Jr. is actually currently good offensively. I don't yeah. necessarily think Kyle okay. yeah. okay. is that's good fair. offensively right. either. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I think I actually like Porter's offensive game now. I just, it, it makes no sense that he didn't get dealt at the deadline. He is a guy that is useless to the Lakers. It's craziness to me. And, unless you're, unless you know something about LeBron and you're like, uh, LeBron's going to retire at the end of the right. season. Which he's not. So anyway, favorite Portland play, favorite Lakers play. Whiteside and I mean it's it's
2: obviously LeBron or Davis, but um I would say as far as favorite in terms of like getting two in tournaments to hopefully get lucky, green or KTP or Caruso.
1: Let's sum it all up now. Favorite plays on DraftKings for today. Harden
2: Giannis, obviously. Um Brogdon Oladipo Eric Gordon Whiteside Lakers wings. Okay. Kind of trying to go through all the salary ranges.
1: If I just go in order of my top guys, Ignoring uh, ownership, Whiteside, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Igadala, Adams, Brogdon, AD. If I talk about it from a leverage perspective right now, Tucker, Dort, Trent, Justin Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Terrence Ross. Those are going to be the guys that will probably make or break me in a GPP scenario. If I'm paying up, though, and I think this will be the last thing before we uh, sum it all up, rank your top five studs today. Aren't there only five? Hence, ranking the top oh, five. Yeah, I see, I,
2: I see reasoning. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Harden, Giannis, and then like a little bit of a drop. Davis, LeBron, and then a little bit of a drop.
1: Dame. Okay, I'm going to go Giannis, AD, Harden, LeBron, and then a drop to Lillard. Oh, man, people probably look at that and think like, you guys are crazy, man. Dame's incredible. It's like, yeah, but you know, fifty-three and three isn't gonna get me there.
0: That's it, uh,
2: man. I'm very aware of how incredible Dame is. I think he's cost me about a quarter million dollars in the fourth quarter of this <laughs> year.
1: Well, that'll do it, guys. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Superdraft for being the presenting sponsor. We've got the MLB Strategy Show coming up here at 11 and then at 12.30, Adam, you and who for Live Before Lock? Jason. There you go. Adam and Jason Floyd back for Live Before Lock at 12.30 as we lead into Orlando and Milwaukee. Last chance to use the Mamba promo code today is August 24th. Don't have any other options. 11.37 and 300 likes. I guess I was slack today. If you guys are still sticking around, hit that thumbs up on your way out the door. We'll give Jordan Klein a couple extra minutes to get swapped over to the baseball show. Adam, any last thoughts? I'll be back at 12.30 with Jason. I'll have hopefully a better idea of what I'm doing lineup-wise. There it is. Jordan Klein, play that music, man. We out. Good luck.